Those kinds of generic numbers for the Republican Party, I'm telling you right now, that November is coming, winter is coming for the Democrats, and they have no one to blame but themselves. Attention passengers, we ask that you please fasten your seatbelts at this time and secure all baggage underneath your seat or in the overhead compartments. Flyover Country with Scott Jennings is prepared for takeoff. Hold on to your stocks. Midterm mania is here. We're talking baby formula shortages. We're talking about some interesting house judiciary. What's that? <laughs> Give me a... I was just saying, don't hold on to your stocks. Well, that's, that's a good one. Well, I'm, I'm saying you should. <laughs> sell, 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 sell. Bear in mind, Flavor Country <laughs> financial advice should be taken as inter- entertainment purposes only. So, yeah. anyway, all right. so anyway, uh, Joe Arnold's here, Scott Jennings, uh, Sean Southard. And Jared Crawford. And the empty chair tonight. The empty chair. There's yeah. no Kevin's quiz no Kevin's tonight. Quiz. But the I'm empty chair. I'm just uh, trying to catch up. A lot, a lot of news going on. And we've been, we've been talking here for quite a few for a few minutes before going on the air, trying to figure out the order of all these different things. There's a lot of things happening. You know what's amazing is that Kevin isn't here, and we didn't even put his microphone in front of Jared. We've literally put it as far away from Jared. That is true. <laughs> Sorry, buddy. It is uh, no microphone for you. <laughs> Welcome to Flyover Country. I'm Joe Arnold. I'm your roundtable host. It is uh, recording this at 10 p.m. Eastern Time on May 18th, 2022. Uh, and again, it, it was the worst day for the stock market, by the way, in two years today. But that's that's beside the point. Um, I want to start right away here, guys. Though with this this crisis of this the baby formula shortage, which I'll just, I'll, 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 as opposed to giving you my perspective on all this, just throw it out to you. What does this say about our country? What does this say about uh, the presidency, about the people who are in charge? Yeah, I, I think this is another one of those stories where most people look at this and say, how could this be happening in America? How could this possibly be? We're the richest country in the world. We're the land of plenty. We lead the world in innovation. You know, we are the light of the world, and we go to the store and can't get baby formula. I also think people think this when they go to a restaurant and it says, we're not open tonight because we, you know, we don't have enough workers. Or when they you know, need to buy a car, and it's like, well, you can order one, but it'll be eight months. I mean, you, right, you buy something on Amazon, and it's like, well, we were going to deliver this today, but it's actually going to be delivered 24 months from now. All of these things add up to a question for most people. How could this be happening in the United States? Now, the baby formula thing is so real and present because I, I was I was talking two nights ago to someone that has a brand new little baby, and they had enough formula to, to they had scrounged together enough to make it through like the end of next week. They were telling me, and beyond that, they're not sure what they're going to do. And it, I mean, it's 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 more than just a nuisance. It's frightening. I, I I'm in the same position. I have friends who you know that. They have like a six to seven month old and they need formula. And so they have dispatched or deputized, as one might say, uh, four or five friends to look out at any number of stores across Kentucky. And we're talking vastly different regions, northern Kentucky, Lexington, Louisville, western Kentucky, and there's no formula to be had. And it's really terrible. But are we all shocked that Joe Biden has led over this supply chain crisis that has led to this situation? I mean, we've known that these supply chain issues were going on for months. It's, it's more than that. It's also the bureaucratic regime of the federal government, particularly the public health bureaucracy. They go to the baby formula plant, and, and I think if you read read the stories, 
vastly overreached in shutting down the facility. With no regard or no question for, well, what happens if you turn off the baby formula making factory? No baby formula comes out. No regard for that. This was the Biden administration. They did it. They shut down the main plant. And then six months later, Joe Biden has the temerity to stand in front of a microphone and say, well, I'm not a mind reader. Oh, you're not? I mean, are you not competent enough to know that if your government shuts down one of the main arteries of a vital item that, hey, gee whiz, that that doesn't turn off demand? Just because you turned off supply doesn't turn off demand. We're still making babies in this country, I think. Maybe not as many as we ought to be, but we're still making them. Well, the other thing, too, is, you know, they did a lot of weird things, like, to try to show that they were leading on this issue. And, And one of the things that they did was last week they had a closed event where they didn't invite the press to, to, with like leaders of baby formula manufacturers across the country, and didn't invite the press to have an opportunity to ask questions. Didn't invite. It was totally controlled. It was total Ron Klain, Joe Biden, senatorial-led effort. And and I think that this is this is not just this is not just a like a Republican issue. I mean, this is a real issue that's affecting families. And I think that there are a lot of Democrats that are looking at this situation very upset about the the situation that they've been dealt. One other piece of political analysis on this, if I might, Joe. The the thing that has been an anvil on Joe Biden's job approval since it happened is, of course, the incompetent withdrawal from Afghanistan. This kind of a story where the average person, not political, doesn't, you know, they look at this and say, who is running the country? What is going on? How could we be so incompetent? And so when you think about the destruction of Joe Biden's presidency and his own personal image and job approval, when you think about that, it all leads back to that one word, incompetence. And it's particularly hurtful when they ran their entire campaign on the adults are back in charge. Everything will be competent. We're not going to have anxiety. We're not going to have, you know, these these crazy pendulum swings on a daily basis and you're not going to feel like everything's out of control. Well, I'll tell you, if you've got a baby at home and you go to the store and there's no formula, I can't imagine a more out-of-control feeling than Which that. reminds me a little bit of the beginning of the Obama uh, presidency uh, when you might recall for the first couple of years it was like, this is what we inherited. And, you know, Biden, of course, has famously you know, it repeated the Harry Truman mantra of the buck stops here. Yeah. But, you know, we're, we're hearing a lot of explaining. You know, well, that that ended that ended last week. Whenever he started blaming everybody else but himself for for the problems, I mean, he started shifting the blame to the you know ultra maga, the maga king, and all these. He 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 does not take ownership. He does not take responsibility, and he's a total blame person when it comes to the problems that are facing the country. Yeah, it's in 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 his party. I know we're going to talk about some polling on the show tonight, uh, Joe, but his party's priorities too are totally not focused on these day-to-day tabletop issues for the American people. They're focused on other things. And that's also, I think, a real drag on him because he's ostensibly leading a party that doesn't care about feeding babies. They care about aborting them up to nine months with no limits, but they don't care as much about feeding them. And I think this is, I'm just, this is all portending to a massive disaster for them, and they deserve every bit of this shellacking to come. For as much as I have been a critic of Donald Trump, it's, 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 it's difficult not to imagine the difference between Trump basically take, pulling people by the lapels into the White House running around and saying, 
you're going to do this. Well, listen, you, you, you've got the right po- – that's what he did on vaccines. Right. I mean, if not but for the Trump administration and the Republicans in Congress working together to break down the bureaucratic barriers to normal vaccine production, it wouldn't have happened that quickly. That's an acknowledged thing that occurred. Do you think Republicans in the White House, Donald Trump, or anyone else would have allowed the federal bureaucracy – to embarrass it this way? Of course they would not have done that. They wouldn't have done it. Well, tonight, you know, we, we've read that the the president has invoked the Defense Production Act in order to, to help alleviate some of these issues. But, I mean, Trump and the Republicans would not have waited. No, as long six months? To have a bunch of lawyers. For a long time. To, 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 like, suss through this, try to figure it out. And, and and the other thing too is, is that they have just they've just totally dragged their feet on this and and the the White House even even today was like they were like well you know we don't have any consult your physician it, it, one of the pieces of advice from the Biden White House was ask your pediatrician if they have any free samples I mean this is not serious what is this North Korea this is not serious advice this isn't Russia is it Danny <laughs> so very good very good. <laughs> I want three points awarded to ding, Sean Sutton. Ding, ding, <laughs> So a lot of folks know U.S. Senator uh, Patty Murray, who's the chair of the Senate Health, Education, Labor, Pensions Committee. Democrat. Democrat. Big-time Democrat. She has actually been uh, a consistent critic of the FDA and very concerned about this issue for months because she recognized it as a crisis months ago. And today, an NBC report on Nightly News on uh, Wednesday afternoon talking to her and did not pull any punches at the Biden administration. With no supply, the White House sharply criticized today by members of its own party. I give everybody an F on the entire spectrum of this, from the company itself to the FDA oversight to the interagencies who didn't talk to each other to the entire problem. Nobody focused on this like they needed to. So when you have the inner agencies not talking to each other, what is that? That is the Biden administration. Yeah, I mean, that is basically what you're, what you're saying in a, so many words. Well, you know what's amazing about this story is they pussyfoot around just coming right out and saying it. The Biden administration closed the factory with no regard for what it would do to national baby formula supply. They then waited. They then said, well, we're not minor. This, all, this is really the Biden administration effed up. That's it. You don't have. You don't need to, to pussyfoot around. You don't need twelve paragraphs. This is what happened. As and as as a parent, uh, I certainly appreciate the fact that we have an FDA that I can have confidence when I buy something that my children are going to eat or drink that it's going to be safe. However, in this situation, what you're talking about, Scott, is that it, it, it appears to have been at least one of two. Well, both of two things. One is the fact that they they. They have a situation where some children got sick. I think two. there were two deaths. But the tests of the bacteria that were detected in these in this tragedies of these children did not match any of the strains or anything inside the factory. But beyond that, my point with all of this is this, is that there, there was no regard, and I know I'm repeating what you were saying, but there was no regard by the federal bureaucrats to understand what are the consequences if we shut this down. So you see my point. Yeah. Sean? I, I, I think that this is the most anti-parent administration to ever be elected to federal office, whether it's this issue, whether it is, you know, a parent's voice in education, whether any of these other parental rights issues that we're talking about in our country today, 
they are on the wrong side of every single one of them. It, 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 there are two things, and then we can we can move on. I, I think you're exactly right, Sean. This hostility to families, this hostility to rearing children, you know, the idea that babies are a burden, the idea of, you know, permitting abortions right up until the last minute, the idea that, uh, you know, this wasn't a serious, this formula issue wasn't a serious enough thing to deal with. For se- It's just this hostility to the idea of the American family, that somehow building a family, raising a family, raising children is somehow a a burden or a bad thing or not a priority. What does a country exist for if not but to allow families to live in it and to grow and well, to they, flourish? They they despise, the modern left despises the idea of family. And so I'm not all that shocked that we have an administration that has embraced that as a policy matter. One final thing on Patty Murray, by the way. She's on the ballot. Now, her soundbite tonight, I think, is noteworthy, and and she lives in Washington State, not known, you know, it's not it's not currently on anyone's radar, but you can tell Patty Murray is 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 starting to hear the Alarm footsteps. Bells. And let me tell you something: the Republicans in Washington State have total sleeper candidate Tiffany Smiley. Watch out! Put this one on your radar, because if Biden continues to suck, and I have no reason to believe he won't. It's been his whole entire career. So. I, if, if that continues to be the case, this this kind of a... I mean, look, baby formula ain't partisan. You know, you can't get it in Washington State anymore than you can get it in Pennsylvania or Florida or anywhere else. And so this is a kind of issue right here where if a Democrat... By the way, if you were a Democrat senator or congressperson, no matter your district, and you got asked about it, how could you look into a camera with a straight face and say, well, I think Biden's got a handle. I think, I think, he's, I think he'll be fine now. If you say that right now... You'd be laughed, laughed out of your district or out of your state. So he's put his own party in a terrible box of having to, <laughs> it doesn't happen often, but he's put him in a terrible box of having to tell the truth, which is the Biden administration is a failed state. I'll just, I'll just put in a good word before we move on for our a junior senator from Kentucky, Rand Paul, who has, has been on this issue, has been working on it, and has uh, been active in trying to loosen restrictions for importing baby formula from other countries into the United States so that moms, parents, dads, whoever you are, can feed your children. And I just think that, you know, here I'm, in flyover country, mm-hmm. we should acknowledge the fact that we have a, a senator working for us on that. I'm glad that we're doing whatever it takes at this point, finally, to get this done. But I will tell you, as an American, I'm embarrassed and ashamed Yes, that we yes, are absolutely. sort of like the recipients of the Berlin Airlift. I mean, we are the nation that's supposed to help everybody else. It, it, it is, it, it is it feels, embarrassing. It is. It's, it's just a situation now. Like, I'm glad we're doing it because these, these infants and these families need relief, and we should do whatever we can to help them. But that it came to this, that we have, we're going out across the world with our hand out and saying, we need your baby formula. So, so the Biden administration in recent months has had to beg Venezuela and Iran for oil. Now we're begging the rest of the world for baby formula. How pathetic. I mean, pathetic. Down across the Capitol from, well, the same time Patty Murray is giving this, this interview to NBC News, the House Judiciary Committee is underway on abortion rights. Ugh. And um, a woman named Amy Arambiti, who's the executive director of the abortion rights nonprofit Avow Texas. Let's listen to this first exchange. So abortion should be allowed then, by your definition, for any reason, for any purpose, at any stage, right? 
I trust people to make decisions about their body, and then when relevant, I think that they need to consult their medical practitioners okay. and not is, if it is, Listen, let me just ask you this question. If it is not lawful and morally acceptable to take the life of a 10-year-old child, I assume you agree with that, right? That would be wrong, correct? I believe that Okay, that is and wrong. a two-year-old child, same thing. That would be murder. We would all agree that's wrong. Then what is the principal distinction between the human being that is two years old or nine months old or one week old or an hour old than one that is eight inches further up the birth canal in the utero. What, what's the difference? Why is it okay in the latter case and not the former cases? I trust people to determine what to do with their own bodies. Wow. This, this is, this we'll is the Democratic what? position revealed, and they get really angry when you play their own words for them. There are no limits. All nine months. This is the position. This is the bill <clears throat> that Chuck Schumer put on the floor of the U.S. Senate. This is the bill that Nancy Pelosi put on the floor of the U.S. House, and all but just a couple of Democrats, thank God for them, I guess, voted for it. This is their position. It's really simple. Abortion, all the way, all nine months, no limits, period. That's it. It's no more complicated than that. This issue is not the panacea Democrats want it to be. And in fact, there's now polling evidence. We've seen some national polls come out that the generic ballot, the national priorities, none of this has changed. We were promised that abortion was going to turn the midterms on its head. Has There's literally no evidence for this. And they're going to keep running on this. They This is their party. And, and the Democrat Party is so weak that someone like that testifying at a hearing, that they can't stray from it. If you stray from that, they'll turn on you. They'll eat you. The donors will dry up. They'll flee from you. And they will they will slander you the way they have done Joe Manchin and any other Democrat who dares, who dares stray from the orthodox. I think it's really important to look at a, like a race in Ohio where Tim Ryan can't answer that question. He refused to answer it. He, to use your phrase earlier, pussyfooted around about, about what his actual position was on it. And then to see someone like Joe Manchin actually stand for a position and say, they're telling you that this is codifying Roe v. Wade. Well, let me tell you what, it's not. He told the truth. And Ryan, you raise an interesting race, Sean, because Ryan actually in the House has voted to ban partial birth abortion. He's actually, his own voting record in the past had staked out at least some limits on abortion. But now, <clears throat> as a candidate for the United States Senate, as a Democrat in 2022, He's incapable of and, and not he's not able to articulate that position. What does that tell you about the extremism of his party? It's ridiculous. Let's go back to the House Judiciary Committee and the same uh, interaction continuing here between the same, same two uh, participants. What do you say a woman is? I believe that everyone can identify for themselves. Okay. Um, do, do you believe then that men can become pregnant? And have abortions? Yes. <laughs> this this is, by the way, this is the most important thing to Democrats right now. I mean, of all the issues going on in the country, forcing people to say this and believe this, forcing Democratic campaigns to adhere to this, there's nothing more important. They have revealed themselves as a one-issue party. And none of these issues are going on in a vacuum. And this goes back to baby formula to me. Because when this other crisis is going on, when Lots inflation... Lots of pregnant men looking to feed their well, children. No, no, my, is that what my, you're no, saying, my point be, No, my point being is 
as inflation is skyrocketing, as American families are having a difficult time and they're making very difficult choices now about what's going on the table, and then they're hearing the main priority of the Democratic Party is this. Like, well, wait a second. That's that's all fine. If we have more of the luxury of everything else is going fine, go and fight those other battles. But please don't exhaust any more political capital on that crap when my family is hurting. Can you imagine? I mean, just the average mom out there trying to take care of the kids. My point. Going to going to the grocery store, trying to figure out the formula crisis, and you know, no time, no time to pay attention to our ridiculous politics. And they catch a like a glimpse of that on yeah. the nightly news. Or they catch it in the morning paper. Yeah, or right. I rate you. You not you would be bewildered. You'd be irate. You'd be embarrassed. You'd be stunned. You'd be stunned that a major political party that this is the this is all that they care about right now. There's nothing else. There's nothing else. This is it. This is it for them. It's incredible. As an aside, uh, in terms of some of the terrible economic news I mentioned off the top, with the, the Dow down another 1,200 points yeah. on, on Wednesday, and that was of course precipitated by the earnings uh, report from Target the day before from Walmart. What you're seeing in these earnings calls is this, you know, we're finding out that people are buying less, making very difficult decisions, certainly going no more to private labels. But this is this is the constraining of the American family. Yeah. This is what's happening. It's right anti-family. Now. It, the, the inflationary policies of the Biden administration are another example of how this party and this administration are hostile to families because that's what inflation does. It destroys families particularly middle class, lower middle class, families on the edge of, of solvency, it destroys them. Let me go back to this this clip for a minute yeah. that we just heard. Yeah. This this issue and the the entire issue about abortion, it if you dispute, if you dispute whether this is the only animating issue of the Democratic Party, look at what we learned this week from the Department of Homeland Security that they are investigating massive numbers of what they consider to be credible threats on the lives of Supreme Court justices, threats of burning down the Supreme Court, threats of murdering Supreme Court clerks, fanatics, radicals. This is it. This is the beat. This issue is is such the beating heart of the Democratic Party that they are now even contemplating what I believe has been defined in this country is insurrection. I was insurrection. To, I was about to say the whataboutism here, though, because this is I, since I follow you on Twitter and on CNN, Scott. Thank you. Uh, you're welcome. <laughs> no, but every time that I do you, not, by the way, <laughs> every time that you say this, and which I agree with, what happens is <laughs> is that people then say, "Oh, but what about the orange ga- orange man yeah. dad and and January 6th? I'm like. You've condemned that too. Yes, it's you, you can be both against insurrection and against Supreme Court justices being intimidated or being, uh, you know, uh, threatened. Yeah, burning down the Supreme Court is justified because I hate Donald Trump is not the is not the uh, <laughs> political argument that you think it is. Right, but that's where we are. Go look at it. Axios had the scoop this very morning. The Department of Homeland Security worried about the health and safety of the building. The people who work in it, the justices who've been appointed lawfully, legally, and confirmed by the U.S. Senate, it's outrageous. When you've got Democrats who have spent every day since January 6th of last year with a January 6th committee and, and 
everything about what they've said and done on that particular issue, now harboring these fanatics and radicals who are threatening violence against an entire branch of government. It's wrong, and it was it's being downplayed. It's being downplayed by the Democrats, and it was downplayed at the White House. They have encouraged. That's true. They have encouraged this. What they have the- encouraged people to go to the homes. So you've got the Department of Homeland Security investigating credible death threats on the lives of major government figures, and a, another branch of government encouraging people to go there. Meanwhile, the White House says that's the president's position. It's crazy. Go ahead and protest at their homes. Very unfortunate. One of the closing chapters of Jen Psaki's uh, press. There's some very nice people protesting outside (laughs) of Supreme Court justices' homes. Hey, very fine people. Very fine. Maybe maybe they were very fine people. I want to say one little profile on courage there because since we called and and we we played a soundbite from Patty Murray, I'm going to uh, call out another U.S. senator from close to my hometown back in uh, Illinois, Dick Durbin, who uh, (sighs) parted. awful. No, he was great. He was okay, great. Well, maybe this will change my mind. Because even though Chuck Schumer has been reckless and irresponsible and has fanned the flames of the radicals who want to burn down Supreme Court justices' homes, Dick Durbin last week came out and said, this is terrible. Stop it. There's, you should not be protesting at, at the private homes of Supreme Court justices. Which cable news show did he say that to whenever he was, you know, trying to pretend to be, be better than everybody else? I don't side. know. I heard a soundbite. I, I was on the radio. I did not see what news what newscast he was. I can't stand speaking. Dick Durbin. He's, Honestly, he's just it, as bad as it, everybody else. I will accept that 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 you heard this, but that would be the only Democrat I've heard who has said anything approaching responsibility. I'm, just, I'm I'm glad that somebody did though. By the way, Chuck Schumer. I mean, let's not forget. Should we be congratulating people for saying like, like the right thing? It's what you're supposed like, to. Like you do. know, like <laughs> hey, congratulations! You shouldn't like kill someone who's on the Supreme Court. I mean, remember Amazing. last year, Chuck Schumer on the steps of the court, pointing, screaming. Oh, I agree. You, you shall will reap the, the whirlwind. whirlwind. He has been promising violence, prompting violence, hoping for violence. And now they're going to get it. We've talked about right. this before, but I mean, I'll just I'll end this this way, Joe. But like, there's no one else that has been more worse for the judiciary than Chuck Schumer. He has been the number one agitator. I think the, the word whole... I think the word is worser. <laughs> <laughs> okay, shots fired tonight on the flyover pod. I'm. I'm... I'm going to just exercise some restraint because okay. I'm trying to be nice it's to you. It's good that you don't podcast. have eye lasers because <laughs> Joe's head would now be a pile of melted goo. Yeah. All right. <laughs> Dick Durbin said on your network, Scott, okay. CNN, good. I think it's reprehensible. Stay away from homes and families of elected officials and members of the court. You can express yourself, exercise your First Amendment rights, but go, to, but, but to go to, after them at their homes – to do anything of a threatening nature, certainly anything violent, is absolutely reprehensible. Good for Dick Durbin. Good right. for him. You know, I, he I, said one good thing in his whole entire life. <laughs> he said hello to me once. He's, Again, I stand by with, with what he I said. said, one, said good one good thing in his whole entire life. <laughs> hey, before we leave that Judiciary Committee, though, let's go back to the one more uh, back and forth with uh, with the, this is the the chair Jamie Raskin who was there. Uh, the Congressman Raskin and talking to Catherine Glenn Foster, who was with the Americans United for Life. Is candidly and openly calling for a nationwide ban on all abortions with no exceptions for rape or incest. And if I've got that wrong, I would invite Ms. Foster to correct me. 
Do I have it wrong, yes or no? Um, if we added rape and incest exceptions, would you vote for it? Uh, okay, I, I reclaim my time, of course. <laughs> <laughs> but, that, but again, the position is revealed. The Democrats would not vote for that because that's not what they're for. And I'll just end it where we started. All nine months, no limits. That is the Democratic Party position on abortion. It is not popular. It is not the majority position in this country. It is not the majority position in the U.S. Senate. They don't have 60 for this. They don't even have 50 for it. It is an unpopular extremist position, and they are trying to make people look away from it, but we should not look away. This is an anti-family party that wants abortion, no limits, all nine months. They care more about this than they care about the baby formula crisis. It's crazy. I want to get to the midterms in a moment, but let's go to your point about what Democrats care about. Let's go to the latest Quinnipiac poll that came out on Wednesday and asking what the most urgent issues are by party. Uh, Democrats, abortion, 18 percent. Inflation, 14 percent. Election laws, 13 percent. Gun violence, 10 percent. Climate, 10 percent. Health care, 9 percent. And Republicans, inflation, 46 percent. Immigration, 13. Abortion, 7. Crime, 7. Election laws, 5. So you can see the number one issue for Democrats is getting nine months of abortion. No limits. That's their number one issue. The number one issue for Republicans controlling inflation. Now, where do you think the American people are going to land in November? Independence in the same survey. Number one issue for independence? Inflation. Inflation. 37% and everything else falls down the list. The Republican Party right now has to stay disciplined and stay focused. There's a way to win this election and it won't even be close. Stay focused. Joe Biden is terrible. He is inflationary policies are crushing families. He is crushing the economy. Everything they're doing is anti-family. Everything they are doing is making it worse, and their priorities are misaligned. You could win Senate races in Pennsylvania, Wisconsin, Arizona, and Georgia if you can just stay focused. And that, to me, is the best possible advice any Republican could give a candidate right now. You know what was really interesting to me about this poll was that they rank, the Democrats, rank gun violence and climate at parity. That they care, you know, they care just as much about the climate as they care about people getting shot. And then they care less about health care. And, and it's just that, that that's nuts to me because I think that, that like, you know, there, there are real issues facing the country, including this Buffalo situation, uh, gun violence in our country that we need to wrestle with and talk about and face as a country. But, but you know, that to them is just as important as the climate issue. But isn't this also a reflection, Scott, because you're also a student of, of media and, and polling and political trends. Isn't this also a reflection at times, though, of what's being talked about the most and what people are being instructed are the most important issues? Well, I, I, I do think Democrats, and I think it's an authentic belief. I mean, this abortion issue for them, I mean, it, they're, it's a, this is authentic to them. I mean, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not ascribing something to them that I, I believe to be false or exaggerated. I believe they are a one-issue party. I believe it's, it's really what they care about, and it's what their donors care about, and, and it, everything flows from there. And so I, I, you know, and I think most people who work in media – you know, I mean, I think we've seen surveys on this are Democrats. And so if this is what most Democrats care about, I think it stands to reason that's what the conversation is going to be driven towards. And so it's self-perpetuating. It's just in this particular election cycle that's mismatched with the priorities of the larger American electorate. The larger American electorate, you know, gas, I mean, gas is 450 something a gallon 
five, six bucks in some places. J.P. Morgan thinks it's going to be five or six dollars. Yeah, I heard six dollars today. Yeah, by August. So you've got that going on. Greater inflation, supply chain is not solved. The baby formula issue, uh, and 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 this the draining of American prestige over all this, and they're out here animated by nine months of abortion? I mean, they're just misaligned with the American people. So they're having a conversation. They're having an authentic conversation that they want to have. It's just that the American people would rather hear about something else. What do we know about uh, President Biden's poll numbers these days? And and what, what and back to the Patty Murray thing in terms of the fact that she felt free to be able to completely obliterate him in that soundbite, is, are we going to see more of that kind of attitude for people who are on the ballot this fall, especially because of where he is right now? I mean, look, I don't think there's a a Senate race out there where Biden is right side up in that particular state. And by that, I mean, he has a higher uh, job approval than than disapprove. So that's number one. Uh, Number two, um, I think the map is getting bigger every day. I mean, we mentioned Washington State. I mean, I think I think the the longer Biden floats in the mid to high 30s, and by the way, he was at I think 35 in the Quinnipiac poll. I mean, that's rough, brother, rough. And so, if you're a Democrat, even in a bluish area, you have to take note of your own situation here and put distance between yourself and Biden. I mean, when Patty Murray in blue Washington is saying F. Biden gets an F on this issue. I mean, she ain't making that statement in a, in a political vacuum, I can assure you. I'll give a good shout-out to my uh, friend Spencer Brown, who writes for Town Hall uh, magazine. He said that people are watching their 401ks tank faster than Biden's approval rating. Not, not only that, but also their – I mean, again, go back to the family theme. Your kid's 529. I mean, th- the thing is, working families are told to do certain things. Get up and go to work every day. Work hard. Do the best you can. Make a living. Put money in a 401k. You're supposed to do that. Put money away for college. You're supposed to do that. But if you're a family who's got kids, you got one. You're on, on the way to college this fall, Absolutely, Joe. But if you've got kids and you have been doing everything they told you to do, well, well, listen. everything they told you to do, I've put money away, I've worked hard, I've diligently done this, and you are watching the value of it get destroyed every day by an administration that even today from the podium said, eh, we don't really watch the stock market. Oh, you don't? Because they don't watch the baby formula market either. Yeah, they don't watch any markets. They don't respect or watch any markets. But again, it's anti-family to ignore what's destroying the hard work of working families who followed the rules and did everything they were supposed to do. You mentioned 529s, and I just want to make sure you're aware that we're going to cancel all student loan debt. <laughs> and and Jared is all for it, and he's been silently over I'm glad. I now remember why we took we put the microphone at the other end <laughs> so, of the table. <laughs> so I just want, for the record, you know that to be reflected. Yeah, my son is entering college in about three months. This so. is the worst possible time for this to be yes. happening to you? Yeah, I'm having a little bit of palpitation right now. Thank you, Scott. This, this Quinnipiac poll, by the way, it's mm-hmm. awful. I feel bad. For, I mean, you're in the bucket where, you know, and and, and and take take somebody who thought they were retiring this fall. Absolutely. Oh, it's been how, wiped out. It's how been wiped long, out. How long will it take to recover the value? I mean, it ain't going to come back overnight. This poll, by the way, now it's normal. It's normal for, even in good years for Republicans, it's normal for the generic ballot to favor the Democrats by four points. Republicans could win the election even if Democrats led. But in this generic ballot, House of Representatives, Republican 47, Democrat 43, Senate, Republican 48, Democratic 44. Those kinds of generic numbers for the Republican Party, I'm telling you right now, 
the, 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 the November is coming. Winter is coming for the Democrats, and they have no one to blame but themselves. If you skip back two episodes of Flyover Country with Scott Jennings on the podcast, you can see uh, or hear listen to an interview that Scott and I did with uh, Senator Rand Paul, whom Sean mentioned a few minutes ago. And his prognostication was far more conservative, Scott, on the show that we did in, uh, on Mark, Mark Reardon's show back in St. Louis when we put on the podcast here. And he was saying uh, 80% chance for the Republicans to gain the House and a 50-50 uh, chance for Republicans to regain the Senate. Under-promise, over-deliver. And I, look, I'm just giving you my political analysis. And by the way, Republicans could still step on their own you-know-whats in this election. We've done it before. The ghosts of 2010 and 2012 are still you know, haunting the Republican Party, I think, all these years later. Uh, and we can talk about some of the Senate races. I think. Well, I was gonna I th- say, well in Pennsylvania, as yeah. far as some of the things that Mitch McConnell, in an interview that you did with him about a month ago, he he warned about this. He brought up some of the the ghosts of Senate runs past Richard Murdoch and Todd Akin and Sharon Angle, Sharon Angle and Christine uh, O'Donnell, O'Donnell exactly, the witch, the witch, <laughs> exactly. Uh, but this situation, at least in the Pennsylvania situation, the 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 more of the fringe candidate there. It did yeah. not did not prevail. The other two are still, uh, as we speak, on at ten thirty six on Wednesday night. Uh, Oz and uh, McCormick, McCormick, thank you for getting his name in Pennsylvania, are still within the margin of error. There, it looks like within I, a couple thousand votes. And it seems to me, and not not to get too much into this because it's it might be outdated by the time this people hear it, but I'm I'm wondering if the because it's absentee ballots that are still out, and more of the Trump. Voters who may have backed Oz would be less likely to vote absentee because of the election concerns of the past. Anyway, my, my expectation this will this will come down to a dead heat, like within one or two votes, just to throw the entire election, you know, uh, questions about legitimacy even more into play. Yeah, and Trump today he said Oz should just declare victory, <laughs> which, by the way, would be sort of like you know a statement of disenfranchisement for Republicans. That let's say Oz did that and he did ultimately prevail. He would have been arguing for the disenfranchisement of people that he needs to win the votes of to win in November. Right. So that's not a that's not a great idea. I, look, I think this is going to turn out fine actually for the Pennsylvania Republicans. Either Oz or McCormick, I think, will be smart enough and disciplined enough to run the campaign necessary to win. I'm less certain about the Pennsylvania governor's race, where Mastriano seems, uh, you know, to be elected governor, you need two things: competence and likability. Mm-hmm. And he seems to be lacking in in both. And so I'm I'm dubious on that front. But on the Senate front. I'm 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 sort of fine with either. I think Oswald McCormick could be fine, uh, but but you know I'm 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 thinking of it more from the macro party perspective. Like we need a Republican senator to replace Pat Toomey. I think either one of these guys could get it done. Yeah, I think, and they're probably going to run a similar campaign too. Yeah. I mean, the same message is going to carry through: is that inflation's bad. Yeah. Baby formula shortage is bad. bad. Uh, you know, all the other things that are traditional Republican values are going to carry through, and either of those guys are the nominee. I mean, just, you just have to be disciplined enough to make the election a referendum on Joe Biden. If you can pull that off, you're probably going to win. I have to ask you, Sean, your expectation of you mentioned Rand Paul, and of course, he won his, you know, the primary handily over the few challengers that he had, kind of the fringe challengers there. So he was, he's going for his third term in the U.S. Senate from Kentucky. And against Charles Booker, who ran this insurgent campaign uh, two years ago, almost knocking off Amy McGrath to face Mitch McConnell in the fall election. 
and uh, and really had a lot of national attention. Sure. Uh, in the same way that Amy McGrath did. A lot yeah. of people just were all over. So my question is. Uh, I think every Democrat across the nation should donate to Charles Booker. That, that is exactly my question. And Absolutely. The, in, when you have this national map, of course, there's, as Scott has pointed out many times and ex- explaining things, there's plenty, There's no shortage of money. But he needs I, your money I, so I, he can buy. He I, can give I, himself advances on his books and his nonprofits. I used to think though, buy it, houses all over the Commonwealth of I'll Kentucky. Ask, I'll, ask you, I'll ask you both this question though, because it used to be a factor. I mean, this shows you how old I am as far as uh, you know, clevering politics. That there was a zero sum game. There was only so much money that could be donated to these campaigns, and so if you were committing money to a Senate race in Kentucky that was unwinnable, like Charles Booker's situation here against Rand Paul, you are somehow taking away from the Senate coffers in other states. Is that still at all true, or is it to the point now where there's, it's just so much money, you can't spend it all, and it doesn't really matter? Well, in previous cycles, last couple of cycles, several Democrats who ran for the Senate and lost ended the campaign with millions of dollars in the bank, which tells me that there may be plenty of money. But And, and I don't know the answer to this, but because we've been talking about inflation, I would love to see an academic study at the end of this election about the effect of inflation on tamping down the the uh, uh, I don't know, the enthusiasm of Democrat donors who have made it a habit the last few cycles of giving to candidates all over the country. But when you are watching your dollar shrink every single day, wherever you happen to live, I, I would love, I would love to see somebody pull off a study of did Biden's inflation essentially constrict Democrat donors around the country and, and suck money out of the system? I, I, I bet for some people who, like in years past, uh, might have said, I'm going to write a check to all these Senate candidates. Maybe they're thinking, well, maybe, maybe I need to hang on to a few of these bucks now. That's why you're at Harvard. That's so right. You can have those fancy studies. You're right about that. I should call other members of the faculty. Yeah. So we, we, <laughs> can you name one? <laughs> Uh, I, you know, I have a, there's a website, uh, harvard.edu, and I will go on it. <laughs> but, you know, Joe, Joe to, your, to your actual question, you know, I mean, Thank you. Rand Paul is a rock-ribbed conservative. He's a strong defender. And if there was ever a moment made for his, like, libertarian-tinged version of conservatism, it was the pandemic. Is this bureaucracy that we see going on, these, as he calls them, petty tyrants, it is, it is absolutely the perfect time for Rand Paul and anyone like Charles Booker who's going to defer and, and bend the knee to these people, campaigning as a Bernie Sanders AOC Democrat in Kentucky, you, you forget, maybe, you know, I know, Joe, I was going to make a, a joke a few minutes ago about you being older than dirt. There's a place here. There is, in fact, a, a, a restaurant, which I actually but, ate at three nights ago. But, but You did? We were there the same night. You get to eat for free, or do you get a shirt? No, I <laughs> <laughs> but but it's a big nuisance. For but like you know, Amy McGrath campaigned as a pro-Trump Democrat. Well, she, well, she campaigned she, as many things. Yeah, I was she, say, that was that was one week. But, By the but way, she didn't do very well in the general election. And now we have a guy that's you know he's being kind of honest that he's a socialist. I, so, I got I got to say Booker the other night in his acceptance speech and, and or I don't know if it was his speech or it was an interview, but he he said I know I'm gonna we're gonna. We're going to run against Rand Paul, and I know i got to run against Mitch McConnell, too. We're going to take on—I was thinking, Mitch McConnell hadn't thought about you for two years, buddy. Like, the last time he thought about you was primary June, night. June, whatever it was. Whatever it was, June in, of in 2020. 2020. <laughs> Just to complicate matters more, I have one more question for you, because it brought up the election security question mm-hmm. in Pennsylvania, though it's now being raised because of the governor who's yeah. there. But the other question I have is, as we are watching— 
COVID numbers tick up. Mm. We are seeing the the White House COVID advisor that you met up with CNN. I know Scott, uh, you know, saying on the news tonight that he expects some cities like New York to bring back mask mandates. Oh yeah. So if that's the case, and we are in fact nearing the fall, something else happening in the fall is the midterm election. But the last time we had a midterm election during the pandemic, there were a lot of rules changes made by non-elected people that that many people, conservatives mostly, had concerns about, saying you shouldn't be changing the rules on how an election is administered halfway through the game, or without, at least without people having a chance to, to vote on these kind of changes. Do you think that we're going to see a repeat at all of the, of the COVID-inspired election uh, administration rules? I think we're going to see an attempt. Now, how many states go through with this? I, I don't know. I think you're going to see an attempt by some people to reinstitute a lot of the emergency measures under the guise of emergency. And that's how they did it in 2020. You know, they just sort of bypassed, in many cases, legislative bodies by saying, well, we have emergency powers. We have to react to this unprecedented situation, so we're going to do it. I think there'll be an attempt in some places, yes. Where, whether they're successful, I don't know. But I, I think already, yeah, you can already see the voices out there trying to prepare the ground for a push to reinstitute mask mandates. Even in Kentucky here, you already see people... Uh, uh, starting to push for that and, and, and chatter about that. You're going to see people who are going to want to shut down schools in the fall. Teachers unions, I'm sure, are going to be back for our schools. Um, so so it stands to reason that if you're going to go for those things, why wouldn't you go for the other things you went for in 2020? Now, again, whether they're successful, I don't know. But I, I, I guarantee you, guarantee you, there'll be somebody out there, a Democrat, who's like, you know, how can we change the rules to advantage ourselves in this election because Joe Biden is is so terrible. We've got to rig the system. I'm sure there'll be somebody. So, Joe, are you asking if Democrats want to continue to have uninterrupted power without any constraints for a long period of time? You can infer anything you like. What what would you like me to ask? Well, (laughs) I mean, I'm I'm thinking that that's what they want, and so they they will pursue any sort of options that leads to them having... So you would expect then... By the time the general election rolls around, that there will be... I think they'll try to do any number of things. Oh, look, I I mean, the, the thought of losing power right now... I mean, you can... Look at the way they're reacting. At the, at the possibility of Roe being overturned. The possibility of losing power after, you know, winning the White House, winning the Congress, and the idea that Republicans could come back here... I mean, the, the, the freak out that is going to, to, to occur on the left, it, 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 it will cause mass hysteria. There is one area where they've been chagrined the past week. That's when the Homeland Security Department decided to at least pause the disinformation office. Right? We <laughs> talked the, about and, that. And the crazy lady resigned. <laughs> Thank you, Jared. <laughs> the disinformation government. Well, actually, this is the weird thing: is that I was thinking when I first saw the deadline. Oh, they're doing away with it. No, the the new press secretary at the White House said, "No, it's a pause. It's a pause. They're just gonna they're gonna, she, they're gonna reevaluate." She said they regretted that it was it was taken out of context Basically, and all this sort of stuff. Right. And I was like, the lady said the government should be able to edit your tweets. Right. That's what she said. That's, now, now, that's, in that's fairness, sort of, sort of in like fairness saying, to her, I do think the government should be able to edit some of the tweets of the people at this table. <laughs> Which ones? 
I'm not. I'm not going to say. Mostly you. <laughs> <laughs> it's sort of like saying, "I'm sorry you were offended." Right? Well, I mean, we are, but you're wrong. <laughs> oh man. But anyway, yeah, she did say the, uh, the secretary there uh, had said or this earlier this month that the board could have the, the could have been made more clear as far as their mission there, but. We'll see what happens here as far as Oh, that. it was pretty clear. Yeah. <laughs> personnel, pretty clear. By the way, personnel is policy. It was pretty clear. Put a partisan Democrat in, that knows enough about disinformation in charge of a disinformation board. But the stories on this, by the way. So the Washington Post, NPR, like, I mean, this thing. I'll read it to you. you read, please. You have okay. to. This is, this is the NPR. I'm, a, I'm an NPR fan. I admit that. I listen to Morning Edition and... I do. And Steve Inskeep, a Kentuckian? Yeah, 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 absolutely. Sure. So the the decision, this is the decision to pause this uh, Homeland Security, uh, the, the Department of Misinformation. The decision, <laughs> uh, first reported by the Washington Post, comes in the midst of a coordinated right-wing smear campaign what? against Jankowitz. <laughs> Was by it really way, coordinated? By the way, the, the, entire, smear, the entire smear campaign consisted of people like us just simply retweeting her own videos. <laughs> NPR also says Republicans were quick to claim without evidence the board would result in censorship. She literally said the government should be able to edit why, your why, tweets. Why is a news outlet? Why why is a news outlet not concerned? Like I mean, I'm gonna be like, just. Why are they not concerned about the you fact know, that, that, that that they they might be censored? The, the, I this, mean, honestly, they don't this, see it that way because like, they're on the right team. But here's the thing. Whoa! The, the, the short. Did you hear that? The short sightedness of this, by the way. The idea that they would want a disinformation board when we could be just a mere couple of years away from Donald Trump being the president again. The idea that they get rid, want to get rid of the filibuster when we could be eight months away from they like they don't. The idea that maybe we should end the filibuster for judicial nominations. They never think through the the consequences of their actions. Is so short sighted. They never think about what happens next. What happens if we do this? They never. What happens if we shut down the baby formula factory? Eh, I don't know. Probably nothing. They never think through. They never think through what happens next. I want to ask you as well. We're, and we're running short on time here, but I did want to follow up. I'm sorry. On the, what? What's that? What do you mean we're running short on time? I, we I, have unlimited time. We have unlimited I'm gonna power. Quote, I'm going to quote Jamie Raskin. I'm reclaiming my time. <laughs> <laughs> we're running short on time. Okay. We can I, just keep talking. I'm running short on time. All right. <laughs> His fuse is running short. That's what it sounds like. Anyway, the tragedy in Buffalo oh. and, and the... This this white replacement theory, this replacement theory that I had never actually heard of until the story came out, and it's I, I obviously there's much to say, and and, and uh, Sean mentioned it before as far as the you know the discussions about gun violence in, in America and crime in general uh, are certainly worthy of 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 conversation, discussion, and improvement about what to do about that. But on this specific, since we're talking about NPR and the reporting on this. It, this is just, and I know, Scott, you've been on CNN several times asked about this and kind of asked to defend how can you defend Republicans today when it's your party that has basically is in lockstep with this shooter because your party has encouraged by being opposed to American immigration policy, yeah. you've encouraged this re- replacement theory, which, of course, is... It's, it's, it's the conflation of, of two different things. First of all, let's just be clear. This, this replacement theory that this nut, this psychotic, ranted about is this conspiracy theory that, that uh, there, there's a, a group of Jewish people who are running a, a global conspiracy to you know, replace you know, Americans with, with other people. That, that's the crazy, psychotic, racist, anti-Semitic garbage 
that had poisoned this person's mind. Then there's the legitimate policy debate about whether we should have open borders in this country. And what a lot of Democrats have tried to do is conflate these matters. So it is very, very possible, and this is what I've tried to do in my appearances, to condemn the psychotic racist garbage and at the same time try to disentangle the conflation that's going on. I mean, I, you know, I was on the other night with somebody and they were, you know, in, in a total breakdown about uh, about uh, uh, the, the, the lady who's the uh, now the House, uh, uh, who took Liz Cheney's position in the Democrat, Elise Stefanik's Facebook ads. I mean, she was basically saying because Elise Stefanik ran Facebook ads about immigration that she's, she's now, per, she, she might as well have been the shooter in Buffalo. Man, it's, it's crazy. There's no evidence this guy could pick Tucker Carlson, Elise Stefanik, Kevin McCarthy, or any other political person out of a lineup. This person is a nut. This person is crazy. And they got on the internet, and which makes it really easy, really easy, to box up and serve absolute racist, psychotic garbage to people who are prone to believing in it. But that doesn't mean you cannot have a policy view on immigration. But this conflation goes on all the time. They try to conflate things and confuse these issues. And I and I just I just think I think to have I think when a tragedy occurs, and this is an absolute tragedy, it is vital that we capture the truth and the nuance of every single angle here because it's too important to get stuck in the mud on stupid political point scoring. But that's what a lot of liberals and Democrats are trying to do on this and it's wrong. And I think we have to tell the truth about this person what he did, what he believed, and at the same time preserve absolute vital political debate on key issues that are absolutely of national importance. So, I mean, I will say that we should condemn white supremacy, white nationalism, violence of this form in any way, shape that it appears. But I don't think that this is the panacea that the Democrats have pounced on to make it be a a political issue because... You know, the Republican Party is becoming a multicultural party at this point. Yes. And, and you know, I, I just think that some of these criticisms really ring hollow because the Republican Party is becoming a working class, multicultural, multi-race, working people's party. Which, of course, is a return to much of the Republican roots. You're, what you're saying here is... Free I, soil, free labor, free men, baby. There you go. I like that. That was good. He's going back to the 19th century. I know. I know. That's where I live, baby. Um, <laughs> right there. Uh, I, I, th- this conflation thing, it's, it's interesting. When the, when the Roe issue came out, when the leak came out, immediately, what did Democrats say? Well, this means they're going to ban interracial marriage. This means they're going to ban contraception. They immediately began conflating what was in the Roe decision with all these other fantasies they have, uh, you know, about political point scoring. Never mind the fact that, by the way, that Clarence Thomas is himself in a multiracial marriage and is one of the most conservative members of the Supreme Court. And so I, I just, I think, I think the people who conflate do it on purpose because they never expect to be challenged on it. They don't, they don't expect anybody to say, whoa, 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 whoa. I want to disentangle what you just said because you're, you're, you're conflating this for political reasons but when you do that, you're disrespecting the people's memories who died. You're disrespecting the conversation that we have to have, which is what Sean said. Yeah. The absolute condemnation of the psychotic, racist, conspiracy theory garbage. And, and, and it cheapens it. It cheapens it 
when you conflate it just for the purpose of, I hate Elise Stefanik, so let me blame her Facebook ads for some nut, for some psycho, that cheapens the memory of these victims, and it's, it's, it's offensive. Same thing happened conflation-wise with the, the debate over quote-unquote critical race theory, where it became a situation where if you simply wanted to, as a parent, you know, thought that there's a certain curriculum which is appropriate or certain subject matter which is appropriate for your second or third grader, and they should not be made to feel lesser of a human being because of their race one way or the other. But it became a situation like, well, no, no, we're not teaching critical race theory in the schools. Well, I never said you were. I'm like, I, I don't really care what you call it. I care as a parent what you're teaching my child. And I, I, I'm not going to get bogged down in labels. I'm going to get interested, though, in what my child's specific teacher is actually doing in the classroom and saying to my child. Based, Joe Arnold. Based. He's based. based. You know, talk, you keep talking like that, you're going to get put on the FBI terror watch list. You're going to be canceled, Joe. I don't know what that means, by the way. Oh, based. Oh, oh, based, based or canceled? Based. Oh, he knows what canceled means. Oh, yeah. I've been canceled. Well, that was our last session. We took a educated him. You're based right now. Are you feeling it? I don't know what that means. You know what? He might be tonight. Ultra mega. Ultra mega. Ultra mega. Ultra mega. Do you feel? Do you feel mega king? on a spectrum, Joe. Do you feel like a mega king or an ultra mega? I don't even know what mega means. Do you know that they did? You know they did six months of research to like figure out that they need to put ultra. Next to MAGA. I know. Six months of Democrats. This is like new Coke. Did, so Democrats spent six months. Or, or clear or crystal Pepsi. This oh, is, by the way. Pepsi but, Clear. If I could, though. What was it? Pepsi Clear was a great product. It really was. <laughs> you <laughs> really? I, I Man, it's like we get, we get so by close. By the way. Every work, single night. I get so close to be like, we're on the same page. And then he goes and does something ridiculous. By the way, you know, our friend Gary, who works here in yes. this building where we record this. Yes. He was at Pepsi in corporate communication. He like worked on Clear Pe- Pepsi. He probably has it in his Pepsi garage. Clear. You can probably get some. I Pepsi tell clear people makes I know. Sense. I tell the I tell people I know the guy who invented Crystal Pepsi. I don't think he invented Pepsi it. Clear. Pepsi. I think he wrote the Which press one is it? Is it Crystal? Pepsi Clear. Pepsi, Pepsi clear. clear. Yeah. Did you all see it? Oh yeah. I oh, drank yeah. it. It was good. <laughs> <laughs> I was there. and here's why. Well, never mind. Because <laughs> never mind. Do it. You went through a tooth a, a teeth whitening experience. So oh, you man. should okay. What? I did. What in the world? Because of Pepsi Clear? No, I'm saying because... Why did you bring that up? (laughs) Because like a wild thing to like... Because I think that I want to be able to drink cola without adding the artificial color to it because it can stain your teeth. What does that have to do with Scott's teeth? I'm just saying because... Never mind. They are whiter, but I'm going to tell you something right now. They tell you on the front end of this business that it doesn't hurt and it's fine. And by the way, it doesn't hurt while they're doing it. But the 30 hours after I had it done this week was the most miserable 30 hours I can since my knee surgery. You had and your I teeth still, whitened this week? I'm still mad about it. Smile. <laughs> well, blinding. They're white? Blinding white. They ought to be because whatever they put on there literally seeped into the roots of my teeth. It's by the way, I'm not a vain person. This is the only vain thing I've ever done, and God punished me. Well, you, you He literally smote me over this teeth, and I yeah. promise I, I will never do it again. I promise you. I mean, so there, there is so I was much gonna, that could be said right now I, I was, that I'm just gonna I'm just gonna like As we wrap up This was this awful. <laughs> flyover country. I gotta show you the picture of what you look like when they're see, doing it. I don't want to see any pictures of anything. This was the worst. And he's I was asking about seeing Red Herd, but maybe you've already told us. I s I I was seen red hurt this week. <laughs> I I mean, 
the the throbbing shooting pains into my teeth every individual tooth every square centimeter of tooth was in pain and i was literally having to sit on television and talk in my face it was like it hurt us too it was awful it's hurting me right now and i was wincing in pain i'm in pain right now you got anything to report on this week uh I'll, I'll be a little uh, selfish. I was seen on KET. You were. I saw you. With uh, Renee Shaw, mm-hmm. one of the greatest. You were appearing live from Bluegrass Media Labs. I was. I was. Renee Shaw, one of the greatest journalists, one of the most fair journalists in Kentucky. Uh, and so I uh, really enjoyed doing some election night coverage with her and uh, Trey Grayson, uh, former Secretary of State. And, uh, you know, they had this guy on, like, I don't know, about two or three hits before me. Scott Jennings. Yeah, I've heard of him. You know, I'm just constantly he in looks this guy's good, shadow. He My teeth good. were super white. His teeth <laughs> were so <laughs> no, white. I had a conversation a couple weeks ago with uh, Bill Goodman, former KET host oh, of, yeah. of oh, those yeah. shows. Great guy. He was at the, uh, with the Kentucky Humanities Council now, Does, doing a great job there. And I remember when he left, I was thinking, but gosh, I, you know, I hope that about Renee getting the job and moving in. She has completely... I mean, she is one of the most talented, not just in Kentucky, but across the country. I mean, if, if you're listening oh, anywhere great. else, go to the KET website and watch any of these public affairs shows that she, she And they're she expanding does. it now because are, she's I, done I, such yeah. a phenomenal job. Yeah. They're now going to give her a nightly news show where so she fantastic. can focus not only on politics, but also the important stories that are in Kentucky and flyover. Let country. me tell you something. It was, it was suggested on the show, and, and Renee was doing uh, you know, like election night. It was primary night in Kentucky on Tuesday. Uh, Pennsylvania got all the, the ink, but uh, Kentucky had a primary as well. And Renee, uh, during the show, was suggested that she should be nominated to be a moderator for a presidential debate. Oh, she'd be great. And I have to tell you, I think finding someone like Renee, informed, fair, flyover country, is exactly what that debate commission needs. Take it out of the bubble, put it in middle America. Renee is exactly okay. The right person. I've never done that whole. What's that? What's the change.org? We, start a petition. We start a petition. You've never started a petition for anything. Not that he did once to put when they canceled a Crystal Clear Pepsi. He actually started a petition. <laughs> Hashtag draft Renee. But that was before the internet, and so you probably just were with a clipboard out at like Home Depot collecting <laughs> signatures for Clear Pepsi. And we thank you for listening to Flyover Country with Scott Jennings, Jared Crawford, our producer. Well, you didn't Scott start Jennings. a you didn't start a petition for the designated hitter when they put that in. I did that on Twitter. <laughs> the, the algorithm shut me down when he found out what it was. Yes. And then Jenkowitz called me and said, "You've been canceled." It's a whole other story. But she had a song about it. She did. She said, <laughs> "I'm not going to sing it right now." Thank you, Sean. Thank you, Scott. Thank you, America. Thanks for listening to Flyover Country with Scott Jennings. Flyover Country with Scott Jennings is a production of Bluegrass Media Lab, coming to you from the heart of Middle America, Louisville, Kentucky. If you like what you heard, subscribe to Flyover Country on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you find your favorite podcast. Mm-hmm.